Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. All right, so Ephesians chapter 2, and that's where we're going to start today. We've already been through Ephesians 1. You've heard great messages from uh, Pastor Steve Holsinger, and then you heard great messages from um, Terry and Theta, who are elders in our church. You heard great messages from there, and I think you have been uh, kind of a good overview, some different messages, some different ideas about Ephesians, but as we talked, I shared some things. If you want to go back and listen to it, I don't have time to break down all that from Ephesians 1, but the culture and the history of Ephesians or the church at Ephesus or the city of Ephesus, just understanding that the church at Ephesus, this uh, um, this letter would have probably been uh, one of the circuit rider type letters. Do you know what that means? Like a, so in other words, it, I know it says Ephesians on it, but when you read Paul's other writings, they, they're very, uh, very close in nature. Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, they're, they, they're, they're kind of like sister, they're very, very close. But what most theologians would say is Ephesians would have been one of the books that probably, they can't prove this 100%, but more than likely the way that Paul writes in the context of it, is probably was not intended for just the church at Ephesus. It was intended to go through the churches in and around all of the regions. And so when you read this, this is why it's not just particular to one church. It applies so much more to our lives because it is not something that just applied in one city or one culture for one event. This book of Ephesians is one of the, I think, it helped me tremendously in my first walkings with Christ to understand who I was as a Christian and how to understand how to walk as a Christian versus what the world was telling me, what my feelings were telling me, and what my flesh was telling me. Ephesians is a great book to remind you of your position in Christ, of who you are in Christ, and to believe that over anything else that you hear or feel. So that's why we want to read in Ephesians 2, this really sealed the deal for me. And Ephesians 2 primarily deals with salvation. But it deals with this idea that in salvation, we all battle from time to time. No matter who you are, everybody battles from time to time with their faith. I don't care if you came out of the womb and your parents were like, you were born in the church. They were praying and you was born in the worship song or whatever. I don't care how holy and Christian environment you think you grew up in. I'm promising you every person struggles at one point in their life with their faith. There's no way you can't. If you don't struggle with your faith occasionally, I question some of your uh, faith there because to say that you never question or struggle with this identity in Christ says to me that you have more faith in yourself than you do God. It's a, it's, at some point, you will face yourself and go, man, I, oh man, this is a bad, I, you know, I, I did that or I said that or I, I, I meant to do this or man, I feel like I fell short over here. At some point, your flesh will tell you, you don't stand up to Jesus. And that's a good thing and a bad thing. A good thing is you should know that you don't stand up to Jesus. But on the other hand, the good news is this, because of Jesus, you don't have to try to stand up. Matter of fact, he never asked you to stand up for anything. He actually asked you to sit down. It goes against everything because we think, no, I gotta, I gotta be, I gotta, no, he said, enough of that. Just take a seat. You know, it's kind of like, now, not to put Jesus in this reference, please don't think I'm being sacrilegious. I'm not. But if you've seen any of those TikToks or YouTube videos or anything where this old boy has got his beer, most times it's a Coke, a beer, whatever. But they say this little statement. It used to be guys would say, hey man, watch this. Now it's, hey man, hold my, y'all heard it, y'all seen it, right? Hey man, hold my beer. That usually means he's about to make a big mistake. Like, that usually means, hey, man, I can do it too. Like, you see a young adult jump over something, and you think because you're close, you might can do it too. I'm telling you, you got to stretch something. You, if you're a young adult, you don't have to stretch. You're like a deer. You just jump and go. You want to know if you're a young adult? See if you can just jump something without stretching. There's your cue right there. You're no longer a young adult, man. Some young adult says, oh, man, watch this. And I think, you know, I could do that in my mind. My body's going like, hold on, hold on, whoa, 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 whoa. We should probably stretch first, don't you think? I mean, you know, just saying, last time we did something like this, it kind of hurt a little bit, a little pain. Let's stretch first. You know, you just start, that's when you know you're no longer a young adult. If you're a young adult, you don't care, you just jump and go. So there's your qualifications maybe right there, huh? But Jesus tells you, hey man, stop trying to tell people watch this. Just sit down. 
He doesn't need you to try to perform for him. He doesn't need you to try to achieve for him. He's not asking you to be something for him. He just simply tells you in Ephesians 2, in just a minute we'll read it, sit down. I got this. Not to put Jesus in a reference, but in a sense, he's saying, sit down, watch this. I got this. He doesn't need you to do anything for him from the standpoint of your faith in Christ and your salvation. He says, I've done it. I wish you'd just sit down and let me, let me teach you what I've done for you and just accept it. And that's hard for us. Let's just be honest. It, every now and then, but I am in this category, every now and then, that's a hard thing to swallow. Is it not? Can I just see somebody else that just agrees with me that every now and then it's hard to accept what Jesus did? It is. It is. But that's the beauty of faith. So let's read Ephesians 2. And as you're turning to Ephesians 2, let me read to you. The first couple of paragraphs, and then we'll talk about this as we go through Ephesians 2. So he says, Paul says to us, once you personally listen. Now, in Ephesians, there's a lot of the past context being used in this conversation with you and I. He, Paul refers to the past a lot, and then he refers to the present circumstances. And in every case, your past, he is referring to the old man or the old woman. And in the present, he's referring to you being in Christ. Always understand that when you're reading that. If there's anything about when it goes back, he's saying that's the old you. But if it's current, he's saying that's the new you in Christ. He never says, you know, you're in Christ, but you're sorry. He never does that. He says, you know, in the times past, you were sorry. But now, in Christ. So there's a beauty, beautiful little writing that he does here. So once, Ephesians 2 verse 1, once you were dead... Because of your disobedience and your many sins. Now, I'm reading to you from the New Living, so if you don't have a Bible, you can read one. We have in the, pew, the seats there. If you have it on your app, this is the New Living I'm reading from. I'm doing it, but, but I'm going to reference other uh, translations here in a moment. This one reads a bit easier, okay? But anyway, he says, because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world. Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. For he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Now, before we get too confident in this and start saying, yeah, I know some of those people. He is saying, you used to be one. Before you look out the door today, when you go down the, you drive down, you see a guy mowing his grass. And before you say, well, he ought to have been in church. Understand that you used to be one. Right? I mean, y'all really, right? You, you used to be one. You used to be a liar. You used to be a cheater. You used to be all that stuff that you drive down the road and think, well, they should have been in church today. Uh-uh. We all used to, should have been to church, but we weren't. And Paul says to us, in this, we all walked in this way. Now, so let's look over in verse, I'm going to read the rest of this paragraph here. He said, all of us were three used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. Nature, And by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everybody else. Now, I'm going to read this to you from a New American Standard uh, Bible in Ephesians 2, 3, okay? I'm going to put it on the screen for you. So this is a different translation, but this is what Paul said. Among them means the people that you see out there that you think, well, they're mowing their grass on Sunday. They must not be living for Jesus. You don't know that. You just don't know. The honest, the honest truth is about you don't know. What if the guy was in law enforcement or whatever and you don't know and, and they just worked a, 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 some 60-hour weekend or week that were, bumped up and Sunday was the first opportunity they had because they have to work every single weekend. That was the one moment Sunday between 12 and you don't know what if they caught church in the morning. Should they be at church? Yeah, I mean, should a Christian be at church? Yeah, they should be in church. But I'm just saying... Just because you see them doesn't mean automatically default we go, well, they must not be a believer. We all used to fall in this category. So he says in Ephesians 2, 3, among them, we too, he's talking about unbelievers, not grass mowers. Can we all just be on the same page with that, right? Huh? There's a lot, let me, there's a lot of guys on Sunday. There's a guy that owns a NASCAR racing team. This is a very strong believer. His name is Joe Gibbs. He used to be a coach in the NFL. Strong. If you watch him, win or lose, the brother will take his hat off in the pits, gather his pit crew together. A bunch of guys that played football, they just changed a bunch of tires. They're tired, hurting, win or lose. They gather around together and coach sitting there and praying with the guys on national television, but it's on a Sunday. 
What do you do with that? What coach gives, they have a church midweek. Sometimes in the pits, but they have church. They got a church that goes on right there during the week in a racing tournament. So before we think something, just understand, Sunday doesn't qualify or disqualify someone as a Christian. An unbeliever is someone who denies Christ. This is who he's referring to, and he's talking to us and saying, we used to live like them, and we used to live, watch this, in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature the very children of wrath, even as the rest. Now, I'm going to say this, and then we'll, we'll continue on. A clear evidence of Christ in our spirit is a change in our flesh and our mind. If you want to know, I'll give you some other scripture in a moment, but you want to know change. You want to know if you're a believer. You say yes to Jesus, but eventually at some point, you're going to shift. There's something going to change in this, and something's going to change up here. But it won't happen, though, automatically. You have to spend time with God in his word. There's no way you're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind in his word if you don't read his word. You've got to read his word. You'll never know how God thinks if you don't read what he writes. But this idea that I'm talking about today from salvation, it comes from trying to live out our faith, knowing that we still make mistakes, knowing that we still have thoughts that are not right. And I'm not talking about just impure thoughts, worry, fret, anxiety, all that stuff that we battle. Jesus says... Take no thought for your life and what you'd eat, drink, or wear today. That means, you know, if you buy a new pair of pants, don't worry about it. If the shoes don't match, just wear something else you got. It'll, it'll be all right. Take no thought worrying about today because guess what? Or tomorrow because today's got enough stuff for today. Is that not the truth? I ain't got time for tomorrow. I got enough today. Tomorrow will come along and guess what? Jesus said it's going to have its own set of troubles. Why? How many days are you going to gain to your life? How much more you add your life by worrying about tomorrow? So Jesus says, worry is not good for you. It's not a good thought either. Just like impure thoughts, worry falls into the same category. So we have got to manage this. How? Through God's word. But all of us in the idea of our flesh and our mind, we battle this. And even as little kids, we battle it. So Haley, we were, uh, they were there at the house. I, I didn't, I wasn't there for this, uh, but they're out there, um, playing some kids were over and, and whatever and piper was out there and she just happened to throw a stick and hit one of the kids you know right square in the head i mean this kid's you know bigger than her and all that kind of stuff and thank god family's nice and not you know don't get crazy and mad and freak out on you like some people do and you know understand kids are kids they make accidents whatever you know but it's just you know we were all one too remember i mean look i tricked my, my one of my best friends his dad took us to eat one day and i tricked him because we were eating ice cream his dad bought us ice cream at Troy's Barbecue, if you don't remember where that is, but in local restaurant, it's, it's gone now. Or, well, no, it's still there, but this is old one, old one before it, you know, became the community kitchen. And so we got the ice cream. There it is, sitting ice cream's there. And I look at him and say, man, have you ever had hot, <clears throat> have you ever had hot sauce on your ice cream? <laughs> I know, I, I can't believe I'm telling you this. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> I said, uh, have you ever had hot sauce on your ice cream? <laughs> he goes, no. I said, oh, it's amazing. And he's like, really? I was like, you, you've never lived. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm so tickled about it. But um, anyway, I said, have you ever tried hot sauce in your ice cream? And he's like, no. And I mean, I'm, I'm selling it big time. I'm like, bro, it is my friend. Listen, you've never lived until <laughs> you've had hot sauce in your ice cream. And so he says, seriously? I said, yeah, you go first, man. Just try it. I mean, I want you to, I want to see the experience. And I sold it. His dad's with us. His dad's watching going like, I never thought about his dad being right beside us. So here he goes. <laughs> he takes it, almost spits it right out. And I'm, I'm rolling, man. I think it's the funniest thing ever. His dad goes like, I can't believe you fell for that. I can't believe you just said, what were you saying? I mean, he goes off on him. I thought I was going to get in trouble next. I'm like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? But anyway, his dad never got on to me. So thank God this, these parents are cool. But anyway. She threw a stick, didn't mean to. It wasn't like she intentionally just did it. And it just happened to go right, pop, right in her head. They fix it, you know, I don't know, clean her up. She's okay. No concussions or nothing like that. It's just, a, it wasn't. But anyway, so now my kid's upset. She's upset. I just see her just thinking about She cried, you know, telling Haley, I'm so sorry, you know. And she goes, yeah. And Haley just been teaching about Martin Luther and how that, you know, they, he tacked the 95 Thesis on the wall. We aren't saved by, you know, a bunch of works. We're saved by grace through faith and 
you know, in the Catholic or the back then in that church there in the culture there in the church, they, uh, you had to pay your way through salvation, you had to pay for forgiveness, you had to pay for everything. And so she's telling him, she said, now, aren't you glad that you didn't live in the day when Luther was around? Cause you'd be having to pay for forgiveness. Thank God your friend, she just forgave you. Isn't that a good thing? Yeah. Cause I only have $5. <laughs> so, so, so even a child understands this concept of man, if I, it's up to me, I don't have enough to get through it. I don't have enough money to pay out. Like at what point, at where does your balance sheet show you have enough to equate to the blood of Jesus. At some point you say, I can't. And that's exactly what God wanted us to do. And so when he says this, that we all live this way, he wants to remind you, you don't live that way now, but you did. And remember it. Because if it were not for the blood of Jesus, so go we. We all were born into sin. Watch kids, you'll see it. And there's not a thing you can do about it except for Jesus. So when Paul goes on, he says the flesh and the mind seem to be these two things that we fight the most. My flesh wants to do stuff I don't really want to do as a Christian. And my mind will then jump on with the flesh. It feels like, yeah, you shouldn't have done that, should you? Well, that was a big boo-boo, wasn't it? I mean, you know, now look at you. Now you're in a situation, aren't you? Now what are you going to do? Now we should have thought differently before we do it. You know, you want to say, well, why didn't you help me before I did it? That would have been great, you know? Instead, you want to jump on the back end. Why didn't you help me before? Because the mind is subject to whatever you feed it. And the flesh only does action as a result of what we think. So the idea that we have, and I'm going to read this to you from Romans. If you want to turn there in Romans 8. The idea that we have is we think that if we work hard enough, if we come to church enough, if we sing enough, that that's going to affect us in a way that it's going to change us. But I'm telling you, the best thing that you can do when you fall short when you have bad thoughts, when you make mistakes, is go back to God's word and actually read it. Read it while you struggle in your sin. Because the only thing your mind does is say, okay, I guess this is it. You want me to do this? Okay. If we're going to feel bad and guilty, I guess I'm going to feel bad and guilty. But even if you fall short, you go to the God's word and he says, I've been seated together with Christ Jesus in the heavenly places, far above all principality, power, and dominion. And every name is named not only in this world, but in that which is to come. I've been seated with Jesus Christ. Man, that's pretty awesome. So your mind says, really? I heard that before. Really? And so the more you read that and your mind accepts that, it starts saying, wait, hold on. Flesh, hold on. Before we go and just jump all over the guy that got our burger wrong at the drive-thru and get crazy and throw milkshakes, hold on. Let's, let's sit down for a second. Sit back. Now Jesus said, but the mind has nothing to work with if we don't read this. All it has is what's been put in. Experiences from life, childhood beliefs, things you watch on TV, binge watching, whatever you see. That's what goes in. And if it has nothing to compute with, it's truth. It just says, okay. So that's why it's so important that you don't let your mind or your flesh control, but the spirit has to rise up. So let's read this in Romans 8 and verse 6. So he says, for the mind is set on the flesh is death. This is what Paul says. Paul wrote the book of Romans as well. He wrote Ephesians. But the mindset on the spirit is life and death. Can I just look at me real quick before we get any further? I just want to put out something very important. What did he just say? A Christian who's got all their stuff together and he, they're just this beautiful little Christian family and got it. No. He said a mind, watch, a mind set on the flesh is death. A mind set on the spirit is life and peace. So what Paul is saying is this. If you get your mind on it, it's going to change your life. It's not about what you think you've done or how good you are. It's about what are you setting your mind on that determines the course of your life. So he says, for the mind that's set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. In verse 8, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Can we all agree? I can't please God in my flesh. Get mad throwing milkshakes. I am not pleasing God throwing milkshakes at the drive-thru. Right? And if they get your order wrong at Las Palmas, you ordered enchiladas and they gave you tacos, just get over it. Because can we just all agree? Or if you send it back, be nice about it. But if, if it's not the right order, if you go to Las Palmas, if you put enough of that red sauce on it, you're not going to tell the difference anyway. <laughs> just get some cheese dip and roll with it, baby. The NFL, your ball game's coming on a little bit anyway. Just get on with it. Be nice to them. Anyway, because I'll tell you, in restaurant, I used to work, it, 
They talk. And if you're going to be rude and mean, just don't flash the Christian card. Tell them you're hungover, you come in from a bar, you just want some tacos. Don't tell them you're a Christian if you're going to act mean. Just at least give them proof that the world's crazy. Don't give them something to fight with against God, all right? So he says this, but those in the flesh can't please God, verse 9. However, you are not in the flesh, but you're in the spirit. As a Christian, can I just encourage you? You're not in the flesh, you're in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. If you're a Christian, he's saying you have Jesus living in you, the spirit of God lives in you, so you are in the spirit. But if anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. So he's saying to you right now as a Christian, yes, you will fall short. And yes, you will make mistakes. And yes, it's going to be challenging at times. However, we are not basing your faith upon the results of your gain in life. We are basing the results of your faith on the righteousness of God that is in Christ Jesus. And who you are in Christ is a substitutionary work that took place. Because of Jesus' death, you've been made alive now unto Christ. So when your mind says, yeah, but I feel short, you, that's just because your mind is not renewed. It only gives you what you put in and you have got to get control of the thoughts and say, no, I fell short. Yeah, I threw a milkshake. Yeah, I made mistakes. However, I know this, that I'm a Christian. And if I'm a Christian, he says right here in his word, that if Christ is in me, my body is dead because of sin. The spirit is alive because of righteousness. So therefore, Jesus, I thank you. You have made me righteous. Help me get my flesh under control and my mind to listen. But if you don't understand just simple things like that, the next course of action is what? And I'm making fun, throwing milkshakes, whatever. Pick your poison, I don't care. But your mind says, yep. See, you're not good enough. See, you don't have what it takes because, see, you're not a strong enough believer. You're not like those guys on TV. You're not like those people that pray down front on Sunday. See, they got their stuff together, but not you. Because if you was a real Christian, you'd never do fill in your blank. And can I just all tell everybody a truth in here that we all know, but we don't sometimes believe? Every human being, every human being, pastors, preachers, whatever you want to call them, you think they're so holy because they sing on stage or whatever, anywhere you see us, anybody else out in the world that you think because they wrote a book, because they got a podcast, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. They ain't a perfect person. No one can achieve this without Jesus. And when you understand, you fall back on what we call the grace of God. So Paul says, he continues reading, he says, listen, to the Roman church. But if, verse 11, but if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead now dwells in your mortal body... He who raised up Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are under obligation. Watch this. Oh, I love this. Not to the flesh. To live according to the flesh. Because the flesh is dead, to be honest with you. Verse 13. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. Meaning that you're not going to be able to live for God following the carnal desires of the flesh. Unrenewed mind. It just, it just leans to a more uncontrolled flesh. But he says, that's not you. He says, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you're going to have life in Christ. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are children, are sons of God. One translation says this way, for any, those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons and daughters of God. Why am I giving you this out of Romans? Because we're going to go back to Ephesians 2 now. Because the Spirit of God is always at enmity with the flesh and the mind. And those are the parts. Watch this. I heard a, a preacher tell me this one time. said, Jody, look, it's like this. If you can ever get your mind renewed on God's word, your flesh will obey by default. But if you ever try to fix your flesh, you'll never get it under control because the more attention you give your flesh, the more authority and power it has now. And it doesn't matter what it is. Watch this. Isn't this true? Well, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to stop. And what do you wind up doing? You put more attention on that and no longer are you thinking about God. You're trying to stop something. So no matter what, your flesh wins. It's got you. 
Because if you stop doing it, guess what you say? Yes, I did it. Now it's got you. Now you're in pride. Well, uh, well, what am I supposed to do, Pastor Jody? Paul says, come back to the Spirit of God and know this one thing. Don't give your flesh any authority or power. Renew your mind with God's Word and let Him transform you by the renewing of the mind. But flesh, you will not win. (laughs) You'll never win against flesh. Oh man, I'm going to do better this year. Every year in January, what do we all say? I'm going to get better. I'm going to fast. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to work out. I'm going to pay off my bills. I'm going to do, and by month three, what'd you say? What about what? I don't know why you eat a big fat cheeseburger. I don't know what you're talking about. Why, why is it going to lose nothing? Well, I lost my kids. I lost my dog, but I, ain't, I didn't, what are you talking about? Losing weight. I didn't say that. Flesh will always win unless we lean on God's spirit. And why is it so good? All right, because no matter where you are right now, whether you're the most seasoned saint if you think you are, or you feel like you just walked in today, you're just hoping and praying you make it in. I'm telling you, this is what puts us all, you want to talk about the buzzword today of inclusive, inclusivity? There is nothing more inclusive than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because all of us have fallen short. All he says is come unto me and learn of me. And I, take, take upon yourself my yoke. Put my burden on your back because it's easy. The world's hard. Jesus is easy. But he welcomes everybody. Learn of me. And he will teach you and show you things and give you so much peace. All right, now, so why am I saying? Because no matter who you are, if we lean to God's spirit and his word, it'll change all of us. You don't have to have your stuff together. He just asks you, can you just press in by my spirit into my word? And he'll help you. So, uh, now go back to Ephesians 2. And this is an interesting thing because uh, grace, uh, there for a while grace was used as an excuse for sin. Now, if that's your definition of grace, is grace gives me permission to do whatever I want, you have the wrong definition. That's not the definition of grace at all. Grace never excuses sin. I can give you a bit from Galatians, but I don't have time to go there. Maybe another day we'll do a series on Galatians. Paul gives you, it says, those who say it's okay to do this because of the grace of God, that is not God's grace. That is what's called false doctrine. Any Christian who goes around and says, well, it's okay, I'm under grace. No, you're not. You're in sin. And when they tell you it's okay, they lead you astray. It's not okay. Grace doesn't excuse sin. It actually amplifies and says, no, by the grace and power of God, you can overcome that. It doesn't excuse it. It causes you to overcome it. That's the beauty of God's grace. So Paul is saying, let's read on verse four. As we talk about his grace, he says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, and he refers to this. So you please understand, I know I'm maybe repeating myself, but I want to make sure this is clear. He's referring to the fact that you were born into sin. When you see the word sins here, this is a more of an easier reading translation. He is referring to the fact that we all were dead in our sin. Just it's, but it's a, it's a context of sin in general. You and I were dead in our trespasses. We had no right to God. Not because you did something wrong today and you did something right yesterday. No, it's because you were born into sin. All of us were born into sin. So he says... Verse 4, although we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised up Jesus from the dead. For it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. That is the most beautiful thing in Ephesians 2 right there. By God's grace, you are saved. It's not because the preacher made you feel like, I just man, I, now I'm saved. No, that is not true. If you're a Christian, you need to tell people, I'm saved. Matter of fact, I want you to write, right now, just to show you how this works. Oh my gosh, I can't believe what's he going to do. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I want you to turn to somebody right beside you. And if you know them, we're going to start with the person that you do know. And if there's nobody beside you, you tap them on the shoulder. Hey, hey, when you're done with them, I got something to tell you too, okay? You make sure you tell one person in this room, if you have to get up, I don't care. And we're going to take a moment, we're going to do this. If you know them, you say it to them first. You look at me and say, hey, I'm saved. Look at them right now and tell them right now. If you know them, look at them and tell them, I'm saved. I'm saved. Tell them again if you didn't sound very convicting about it. I'm saved. Now, I want you to look at somebody you don't know. Find somebody that you do not know. I'm saying, like, I don't know. I think I know them. Well, get up. I don't care. We're going to take a moment for a minute. 
Find somebody you don't know. You look them square in the eyeballs till you know the color of the eyes. You say, I am saved. Look at them right. Get up if you got to. I'm challenging you right now. Get up out of your seat. Find somebody in this church and tell them, I am saved. If you don't know them right now, take them, take them, take them in and do it. So Pastor Jody, what's wrong with you? Because if you are a Christian, you should be proud of telling somebody, I'm a Christian. I'm saved by the blood of Jesus, baby. I don't need, I'm, I'm not walking by, by my own flesh. I'm saved. There you go. Now, how did that feel when you said it? Do you feel, why are you smiling? So Christianity, if it's so bad, it's so, ooh, it's so hard. Why are you smiling right now? Because it feels good that you came in here today and you thought that, man, well, you know, I'm struggling with it. I got to, but now the only reason you could say that is because of the blood of Jesus. And because you have been saved by grace and not of anything of yourself that you can boast about. Everybody in this room knows when you said it. Yeah, we know. <laughs> we know Jesus saved you. Yeah, absolutely. We know it. Because if he saved me, I know he saved you. If, I know what I get, what came out of, and I know what you probably came out of. It's the blood of Jesus. It's the grace of God. And so Paul says this, and you ought to do that more frequently. That's what I do. When somebody's new, I say, I make them. When I lead them to Christ, I make them say, tell me now I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I'm saved. I didn't hear you. I'm saved. No, I'm saved. I'm saved, Pastor Jody. Okay, I'm saved. I mean, I get them to where they just kind of doing that rocking thing. Like, I make sure you tell me you're saved. Because when they leave, I don't want them wondering. I want them to know if I don't live this life the way that I think I should, and if I'm not as good a Christian as that Christian, I want them to know it does not matter about that. You're saved. Because if I can't get that convinced, there's no way we're going to go forward. That has to be understood. <clears throat> so Paul says, we keep reading this. He says this, um, It is only by God's grace you've been saved. Look at verse 6. For he raised us up from the dead along with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly places because we are united with Christ Jesus. This is a rich, rich chapter. Stop standing up all the time. Look what I've done. No, you ain't done nothing. Sit down, man. Sit down and amplify Jesus. If it's not for Jesus, I don't even get to do what I do. Thank God for Jesus. Everything that I have is because of Jesus. Every breath out, Jesus. Everything my kid, Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. So God can point us to the future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all that he's done for us who are united with Jesus Christ. It means when you talk about Jesus more, they talk about you less. And they look at you and say, well, what are you saying? Jesus, Jesus is the answer. Yes, it's Jesus. Okay. You point them to Christ the more you talk about him and the less you talk about you. It's all about the Lord. So he goes on, he says, verse 8, So God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. <clears throat> it is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. <laughs> Just great. It puts everybody in the same place, man. Come on a level playing field and everything. Else. This is, the gospel does it. It brings everybody to the same spot that says, if it weren't for Jesus. And he says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now, I don't have time getting that, but God's got stuff for you to do in his church. He gifted you with something. Figure out what it is. We'll help you, okay? But you got to figure it out. You got to know he's called you to put your hand to the plow somewhere in the field of his ministry that he called you to. Verse 11, don't forget. Now, this is what I love because if you're, most of you in here are Gentiles. Some of you might be Jews. I don't know. But most of us are Gentiles. Verse 11, so don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. That means you're outside, he called it, uncircumcised heathens by the Jews. When do you like to be called that? As a Gentile, that's what they called every one of us. You're an uncircumcised heathen. You can't come in here. Good gracious, that sounds terrible. So this is what they, he said, this is what, and he was a Jew, so he knows. He, this is what they call people. He says they were <clears throat> called this by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies, and it did not affect their heart. Yeah. Now, we're going to get into a couple of things. It's not going to take long, but I want you to hear what Paul's saying. Paul was a Jew, an Israelite. He was a Hebrew. Of all Hebrews, he called himself. He knows he's not... He knows what he's talking about here. And he says, in verse 12, in those days you were living apart from Christ. Talking about us, Gentiles, 
We are those outside of the covenant of God, okay? And he said, you were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. You ever been there? You ever been without God and without hope? Do you remember what that was like? I remember. I remember. No hope. No God. No answer. And so when people go to me and say, yeah, but I try to explain this. How do you think all those stars got the sideways? If God created it, I don't have time for that ridiculous conversation. Because if they're so smart, they should understand that you're believing the science in every conversation, philosophical, I believe in science, but philosophical statements that people make, a you know, big bang. Well, are you you going to base your whole eternity on the thoughts of a few people from the last couple of hundred years? Now, where's the thought in that? We can barely get a rocket to the moon. We're trying to go to Mars and we might do it, but there's no guarantee. But we look and question all the stuff around us. We were watching a deer this morning walk across the front of our lawn. My little girl, my middle one, sitting there, Dad, Dad, come here to the window quick. I'm, like, what? I'm reading my Bible, I'm getting ready for church. Come up there, you know, it's like seven in the morning. What is it? What is it? Be quiet. I thought, okay. I only had one cup of coffee. I'm not really wired for this, but okay. Look at this. Here, come, here walks a buck. After all you hunters, like, why don't you get the rifle? He wasn't that big. I don't think it'd been worth the time skinning him. You know, he just, he, he, he was a buck, but he had a nice set of antlers. I mean, he was like, he's going to be a good size if he doesn't get shot this year. But he's walking across the lawn and, and he stops at a, at a pear tree. It's in the back of our property. It's, a, it's a, like one of those wild pears. You know, it grows the pears, but it's not the kind you want to eat. It's those wild looking things. And the deer stops there and she goes, what's he doing? He's doing this thing. And he starts eating those little wild pears that drop from the tree. She said, what's he doing? I said, he's eating. And what's he eating? There's those old pears, you know, we don't eat them. She goes, why would he do that? Now watch. Now you could run off and say, oh, preacher's got to get his stuff ready. Got to get ready for church. Whatever. Deuteronomy tells me, listen, when you walk down the way, teach your children. That's an opportunity for me right there, right? So I said, baby, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Here's where we are at this house. God caused a wild pear tree to grow there. Or my grandfather planted one, I don't know. But there, nonetheless, it's there. At least 25 years ago or more, that thing's been, it's a pretty good sized tree now. Here comes a deer at this time. God cares enough even for the deer. Here's a tree with fruit that we don't eat that it's made for the animals. Because of God. Now she walks away and you might think, well, for her? She goes, that's pretty cool opportunity to show her about the love and the mercy and the goodness of God, even for the animals. God cares about animals, but he also cares that you eat. So if he gets bigger to the point he puts on enough, I mean, I hate it, but next year he, he might be in my belly. I don't know. Anyway, I told her that God cares about him. He cares about us. It's just the circle of life. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, mercy. All right, so where are we at? Huh? What verse are we in? Okay, 12, thank you. Here we go. So he says, In those days you were living apart from Christ, you were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now, now, you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been made brought near to him through the blood of Jesus. I love that, man. So verse 14 says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. Can y'all look at somebody this morning and say peace? I'm going to end on this this morning about peace. Because there's not a lot of peace out there, right? But watch what Jesus says or what Paul says about Jesus. He says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. Now, I don't have time to go to, well, I will real quick, okay? If you have have a moment, I'm just going to flick over there. Because I don't, guys, I didn't give you this, so, so I'm sorry. But Isaiah 9 Look at verse 6. We do this. A lot of times it's quoted at Christmas time. Listen to this. For a child is born unto us. This is Isaiah 9, 6. If you don't have time to write it down, just we'll go on. A child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and what? Prince of? Man, if there's nothing else I got, I got peace. I may, this may be going through a trial or a difficult season or whatever you got going on, but... 
Jesus still brings peace in the storm. I mean, that's no story just that he gave you with Peter walking on the water in the midst of the storm. Jesus still brings peace in the midst of a storm. And I love that about him. For he united, this is the beautiful part of this verse. He says he united the Jews and the Gentiles, those uncircumcised heathens, <laughs> into one people. You know, the Jews, they didn't like that. You know, the guys that were religious. Now, there are a lot of Jews that did like, they understood the covenant. But the Pharisees didn't like this. <clears throat> but he says he, he combined by uniting the Jews and Gentiles in one people. When his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. And he made, watch this, what? Peace between the Jews and the Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. And together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other, he has put to death. And he brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles, uncircumcised heathens, all of you. (laughs) That's what he called every one of us. Who were far from God. And he brought peace to the Jews who were near. And now watch this. All of us can come to the Father through the name or through the same Holy Spirit because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And then he goes on to say this in verse 19. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You're members of God's family. And together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. And through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Outside of the covenant, we were brought into the covenant with those who were of the covenant. Now, this is why this whole thought of predestination doesn't hold any water. You understand? Because God just brought in the Gentiles. Well, some are chosen and some are not. Uh Uh-uh. No, not based on what he just said. He says anybody and all. Because here's the problem with it when we think about it. If you come in here and you're thinking, you're struggling your faith. And you think, well, well, maybe I'm chosen and maybe I'm not. That's a hard life to live as a Christian. Wondering if I'm in or if I'm out. I'd rather believe what the scriptures say. The scriptures say this, all of us, even uncircumcised heathens, <laughs> through the covenant, through Jesus Christ, who were strangers to this covenant. We weren't even a part of it, but the Jews were. By covenant, God's people, they were in. We're standing outside knocking door, please let us in. No, you're not of the right bloodline. You don't get in. Exclusive. You are not qualified to become a part of our group. And some took it too far and were rude and and arrogant about it. But this was God's covenant. But God, who is rich in mercy, through Jesus Christ, who shed his blood, made a way for even the Gentiles now to come in to the family of God. And all you have to do is read the Bible and see this, that by grace you are saved. By what? By believing. It's by believing. You're, you're not getting in this because you're good. You're not getting this because you came to church today. You're not getting this because you've got a Bible with your name on it. You're getting in because of the grace of God. And what that does for everybody in this room, if you look across the room, is that means no one in here got in in any different way than you. And no one in here gets to keep it because they're better than you. And nobody in here has got a leg up. No one in here is losing out. No one here has got because of their bloodline. No. Jew and Gentile brought together through Jesus. And how do you get in? By grace. It's the grace of God. One translation says this. It is in the, it's the goodness of God that leads men and women unto repentance. It's brought over into the new. But in the Old Testament, it talks about God. He's a good God. And he loves you with an everlasting love. And though people say um, about the Lord that um, he's an angry God, um, he was angry. He did have pour out his wrath. He was, yes. And he's still a God. Don't think that he's, he can't. But the reality is, under the covenant of Jesus, he looks at you and he sees Jesus. 
He doesn't see wrath, right? He sees love and mercy and grace. Amen. That's right. That's all I soon as amen and right there, just loving it. Out of the mouth of babes, man, there you go. A child accepts this just like that. Just like that. I'm telling you guys, it's hard, isn't it, though, as an adult, because you're looking back. I mean, if I had a, and I'm wrapping up, you guys can come up, whoever's uh, closing out with me. But um, if, uh, if I had a treasure chest up here, or not a treasure chest, but like a, what do you call it, like a trunk? And we always say this, there's skeletons in the closet, whatever. You know, the kind of thing, it's getting close to Halloween, so everybody's got, you know, these fun. But, but everybody, can we all speak, everybody's got something tucked in a trunk somewhere behind the closet nobody wants them to see or know about. Man, I wish I had a, well, I wish I had a, who doesn't? Everybody does. I've lost my temper, have you? Okay, maybe you're a peaceful person, you don't lose your temper. Okay. Maybe you're a greedy person. You ever been greedy? No, not me. I don't really do that. Okay. You ever told a lie? No, I don't tell a lie. Small one? Lies a lie, you know. It's funny how we go. It's just small lie. Small. Wasn't that big? Now, my middle daughter, I don't know that she does. Because if Haley asks her a question, how does this look on me? Don't ask the middle one. She's straight up brutal. No, I don't like that. That's ugly. Maybe you don't say that to a You say, well, you know, maybe it's not your color. She's kind of, but she, she's like a little, she just comes out straight up. Don't ask her. If you don't know the truth, don't ask that one. If you want to be a little gentler, ask one of the other ones. Maybe, maybe ask Haley. <laughs> but nonetheless, before we go today, I want to pray for you. And I want you to, as an adult, understand there ain't a person that doesn't have something in their trunk somewhere. And I'm telling you right now, by the grace of God, you're in because of Jesus, not because of you. And we want to walk out today knowing this, that it is by the grace that I'm saved through faith. I believe in Jesus. Therefore, I've been brought into the family of God with God's spirit, and I'm a part of this family. And that's it. And don't bind to this thing of do I, do I not fit. No, you fit perfectly if you have trusted in Jesus. And that is all the qualifications you need. And once you have come to Christ, by reading his word and studying his word, he will transform the rest of you. So would you do me a favor right now, just bow your head, close your eyes as we pray. If you're in this room right now and you are listening to me, you think, well, I don't know that I have the grace of God. I'm not sure that I am saved. I don't know, Pastor Jody. I want to lead you in prayer. And maybe in this room right now, you're thinking, well, I don't know if the Lord would accept me. I don't know if he would receive me. According to scripture, he says that because of his work, in the blood of Jesus, because of his sacrifice, he accepts those who call upon his name. Paul says it this way, anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. And that's what we're going to do right now. If that's you in this room, while our eyes are closed, no one's looking, the whole church is going to pray. But if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And you just repeat this after me in this whole church as you put your faith in Jesus. Say, dear Lord, I come to you today and I give you my life. I give you my heart and I give you everything. I trust in you today and I surrender my walk, my thoughts, and my flesh. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life and I accept my place in the family of God. In Jesus' name, Amen, amen, and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're proud of you. We'll give him a hand, would you, church? So proud of you guys. So we'll put it on the screen for you right there, but if you just pray that prayer, we'd love to help you get started walking with God. In the, in the, it's connect.cornerstonerome.com. If you want to go there, uh, you can fill that out for us, and you can either do it digitally. If you're watching online in the room, you can do it digitally, or there's a seat back that has a little card in it that... Um, We'll, you can do that and drop in the offering boxes on your way out if you want to as well. And uh, we'd love to help you get started walking with Christ, okay? i just tell you, I was just talking to my uh, in-laws this weekend, and one of the things that I was reminded of was when we first started following the Lord, or me, I had no idea how to follow Jesus. I knew some scripture, but I really didn't know how to build my faith. She took me aside with a bunch of other folks at Young Adult Group, 
started walking us through the scriptures, what it means to follow Christ. And so I want to encourage you, fill this out so we can help you become a disciple of Jesus. And then uh, Gary's coming up. He's got a few announcements for you, a couple things to share. But um, make sure you fill it out for us before you go. Isn't it good to be reminded that um, God's grace is so good? And that's why we all have an opportunity later on. If you know me or you know my story, I mean, I have no right to be up here. Uh, speaking to you, but only because of God's grace are we forgiven, isn't it? Gosh, our prayer team, if you guys would come up front now, we'd love to have you, if you need somebody to pray with. If it's, today was the first time you ever accepted the Lord as your Savior, come up and tell one of these folks here. Uh, confess it to them. They'd love to pray with you. Is there anything else going on in your life? They would love to pray with you as well. I want to thank you, too, and remind you about the different ways we can give here at Cornerstone. We don't pass a plate around. You may have noticed that if you're new here, but we have offering boxes in the back of the church. You can drop an envelope in there. You can give online. You can text to give. There's all different kind of ways you can do it now. Um, so we just thank you for your generosity to do that as well. I want to remind you of the men's event coming up in two weeks from Saturday. And uh, I think I was up here a week or two ago. I've got my partner already. So... Um, we're going to be training for the next two weeks in cornhole. So make sure you get your team and get it ready because um, we're coming for you this year. So, uh, guys, uh, make sure you sign up for that. We've got a lot of wings to eat. We just have a good time, um, watch football, and we play cornhole and do some things. So a good way to meet some other guys in the church if you don't know somebody here. So make sure you guys sign up online for that as well. As always, we're going to send you out with the blessing out of Numbers chapter 6. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And I love this last part because Jody said he ended with peace today. And it says, may the Lord turn his face towards you. You know, sometimes we are looking for God and we don't see him or we think maybe he's not looking for us. But it promises in the word, it says he's going to turn his face towards you and give you his peace. God bless you all. Have a great week. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.